Hi, welcome to Paris in New York City. In this episode, I will guide you through some of the things that I learned about what being a woman entails in life as I went through different phases of my life, how men affect women in a way that maybe they don't even realize. I had spoken in the first episode about how it is so hard to date when we must juggle so many expectations. I recently just posted a 12-second reel on my Instagram in which you see me taking out a flip phone and making a call. I had written a caption on the reel that said, Point of view. When your man says to share your location to make sure you don't leave your house for the night so you forward calls to another phone and go out with the girls. I expected this reel to get about 500 views, which is the average I'm used to seeing, and somehow it has gone viral. And within 24 hours of posting this reel, I had 135,000 views and 400 comments. It is currently at 223,000 views as I sit here and record this podcast and 900 comments. 99.9% of those comments are all from men and they consist of hateful words and statements such as, You're for the streets. Whore. You will be 40 years old and die alone with a bunch of cats. This is why men cheat. Trash. Skunk. Slut. But my favorite was... This is why women should never have been allowed to vote, and this is why women shouldn't have the right to their bodies. I seriously did not expect that reaction. It was clearly a joke. I posted that reel because I had gone out on a Sunday with a group of my friends, and one of my guy friends is in a relationship with a woman that does not trust him and which he feels he cannot be himself with. However, he keeps trying to make the relationship work and has given her his location to ease her anxiety and trust issues in an effort to try to avoid a fight with her. He had told her that he will stay home on Sunday and not go out at all. But when he found out that a couple of us were going to go to a bar and meet up for drinks and to catch up, he really wanted to come and came up with what he called a master plan, in which he left his iPhone at home and forwarded all his calls to his mother's flip phone. That way, his girlfriend would think that he is home and he can still come out for a few hours with his friends and enjoy a night out. He said he forwarded the calls to the flip phone in case she called. He would just run to the bathroom where it is quiet and tell her that he was sleeping and will call her back in a few hours when he woke up. This is clearly a toxic and unhealthy relationship. He shouldn't be lying and she should allow him to be able to go out with his friends. However, this is something that I've seen often where one person tries to control the other person and the other person just finds a way to do what they want to do anyways. He did not have bad intentions of cheating on her. He just wanted to see his friends that he had not seen in a few months. I decided to do the real to bring awareness to these type of situations, as I know many, many people can relate to these toxic and controlling relationships. I have been in them myself. I remember having a boyfriend once that did not want me to go to the gym at all. He was insecure and said that men would hit on me. So I would say goodnight to him and tell him I was going to sleep and then run to the Planet Fitness that was two blocks away to do my workout at midnight. It is insane, but a reality that a lot of people will not have the guts to admit. The responses that I received to this reel showed me how angry people are in general and how much this world needs love. A positive reel does not get as many responses as the ones that contain controversy or speak on something negative. But it also showed me how men don't miss an opportunity to degrade women. There were girls in the comments that were defending me by stating that my man was wrong for asking me to share my location to make sure I stayed home. But the men only focus on the deceit of me forwarding the calls to another phone to go out with my friends. This reminded me of an article that I had written a few years ago out of anger after hearing about the murder of a young college student just because she had ignored a man that was trying to get her attention as she walked to her car. The article was called 
catcalling, and I'm going to read it to you. I was seven years old in the third grade when my first kiss was robbed from me. I was in Power Hour for math, a program that gave students extra help after school so that they can achieve high scores in the state exams. I was an honor roll student then and didn't need the extra help, but both my parents worked and put me in the program so that they can have more time to pick me up from school. The school was mostly empty and I had gone to the bathroom. As I was walking out, a boy pressed me against the wall and tap-kissed me. I pushed him and ran toward the auditorium. He ran after me but stopped pursuing when he realized there were people there. I had never seen that boy in school before that day. Later on, I learned he was a fifth grader. Every time after that when I saw him, I would feel uncomfortable and self-conscious. Little did I know that that feeling would be something that I would feel almost every day of my life till date. I don't remember a lot of things from elementary school, but that scenario has been crystal clear in my mind. I was in the seventh grade when a boy sexualized me. For the first time, he pointed out to a group of his friends how I had a big ass. That was the first time I was catcalled, and after that, it became endless. I became nervous to walk home from school down that block because every time I did, it was one comment after another. Sweetie, what's your name? Mommy, when can we hang out? Damn, baby, that ass is so big. Until then, I never had paid attention to my body. Girls always looked at their stomach to determine if they are fat or skinny. I never once turned around to look at myself from behind in the mirror. Then I did. And then I compared myself to other girls in school and realized that I was, in fact, more voluptuous in that area than most girls my age. I then had to change my route from school to home, walk an extra two blocks in order to avoid the catcalls. However, the heights at the time had guys on every corner working year-round. A new block only meant new comments from new guys. Everywhere I turned, I couldn't escape it. I started to learn to ignore it, not make eye contact and act like I didn't hear or see them, which made some of them angry, going from saying sweet things to yelling, well, keep walking, bitch, you're not that pretty anyways. There was no winning with them. I was 18 when I started my first internship in an accounting firm in downtown Manhattan. At the time, I was in college and was intending and majoring in accounting. This was perfect. I got to get a feel of what it was like to be in a professional environment. I mostly did clerical work, but enjoyed it regardless. However, I quickly learned that sexual harassment occurred in these places as well. The employees at this firm with which I assisted were mostly 27 plus years old and dominantly white. They would look at me as if I was a piece of their favorite dish. They seldom said anything, but every once in a while they would make comments about my body, which made me feel uncomfortable given that this was a professional place and I had to see these people four times out of the week. I did not know how to handle it. I would just smile and walk away while cursing them out in my mind. I was 19 years old taking statistics at Baruch College. I had gone to my professor because I was not doing well in my class and he had moved the date of the final by two weeks ahead because he wanted to go on vacation with some friends to China. I had told him that the department had set a date and I needed the extra time to ensure that I would do well in his class. He looked at my grades and gave me two options. I could not go to the department and complain and not take the final and he would grant me a B or I could go out with him to dinner and have fun, as he stated, and he will give me an A-plus in the class. I took the first option and got a B in the class. Without realizing what his second proposition meant and how I could have sued the school for the misconduct. However, I was young and had always been raised to not go against elders. I was too naive and did not know the things I know now, nor had the bravery that I have now to stand up for myself. I was 22 years old working at Lehman Brothers after having graduated with a finance degree. I was so proud of myself because according to what my parents told me growing up, I have made it. We go to school to get a degree, to then get a job at a company, making a good salary with a medical benefits and a 401k. 
I felt I had it all and was on top of the world, as I had landed a job at one of the top four financial companies in New York City at the time. But harassment followed me there as well. I was one of the few Hispanic girls on the whole floor, which meant that I stood out from the rest of the women there. I had to quickly learn to avoid getting coffee in the pantry that was shared by the whole floor, as it usually consisted of men asking me out to grab a drink at the bar after work, even after I had politely declined a few times before. See, to many this may not seem like a big deal, but the amount of stress and anxiety that this puts on a woman is only something that a woman would understand. New York State doesn't let people carry pepper spray with them like other states do. This is something that I feel is wrong. A person should be allowed to carry it for protection. This can help save a life in the event that someone is being attacked by helping to temporarily disable this person from seeing so that one could run away. I was in Dunkin' Donuts the other night. I had been out with friends at a bar and decided to stop by to buy a coffee. There was an elderly man, maybe in his 50s, sitting by the door. He smiled at me. I was being courteous and smiled back as I was walking out. My car was parked right in front of the store. I got in my car and lucky for me, I have a habit of locking the doors as soon as I sit down. Thank God for this. I was putting my coffee down in the cup holder when I heard the sound of someone trying to open the passenger side door. I look up and the man that I had smiled at was standing there. He knocked on the door and then told me to open it. I said no. He then aggressively tried to open it again. I immediately turned the car on and drove off. It is not right for a man to think that he has rights to a woman just because she was nice to him. Men need to understand that just because a woman smiles or is courteous or engages in conversation with them does not mean that she likes them. And furthermore, it does not mean that it is okay to cross the line in any way. I have a friend, Sarah, that frequents a bar in her neighborhood. She has been going to this location for nearly 10 years, a happy customer that loves to drink and dance with her friends. A few weeks ago, she had gone there with one of her best friends. There was a new security guard, and he had started talking with Sarah and her friend. They're very social girls, and they engaged in conversation with this man for a while as the place was not busy, and they said he was nice. The men asked to exchange numbers with Sarah. She had no interest, but did not want to be rude and say no, given that she goes there often. This man was named Torrance. He messaged her shortly after expressing interest in her. She then told him that she was not interested and that they could be friends. She had then gone back a few weeks later to the same bar on a first date with a guy. Torrance was working that night. Sarah had said hello when she saw him, but he seemed to be upset. However, she continued to go inside with her date and was having a few drinks and chatting. When her date excused himself to go to the restroom, Torrance had come and tried to forcefully kiss her. She got upset and told him that was rude and that she was with someone. He left her alone and she did not further think of the incident. She went on with her night dancing and enjoying her time. Around midnight, however, cops had come into the bar and asked her to leave. She was confused and walked outside with the cops. She had no idea what she had done wrong. When she asked the cops what the issue was, they said that she was being kicked out for performing oral sex on the dance floor. Torrance had come to them and asked them to please remove her for this. Sarah was shocked as she had done no such thing. She asked the cops to please look at the cameras because there must have been a misunderstanding. The cops said that she had to leave right away. Sarah was upset at this mistreatment and felt discriminated. She had left her ID and credit card at the bar. She had tried to go back inside to get it and also to let her date know what happened, but was arrested upon trying to enter the bar. They had handcuffed her and put her in the back of the police car. The cops had left her in the car and gone back to talk with Torrance. Sarah was able to get her phone from her pant pocket and called me hysterically crying, telling me what had happened. 
I felt bad because I couldn't help as she lives in another state. I tried to calm her down. The cops eventually got in the car and she asked me to mute my side of the phone so that they wouldn't know that I was on the line. I heard her asking them why she was being arrested. They told her that she was being arrested for oral sex and trespassing after they had told her not to go back into the bar. She then tried to explain that she was not doing that at all. The cops laughed and stopped answering her questions. The call dropped eventually, and I did not hear the rest of the story until she called me back the next day when she had been released. She told me that when she got to the precinct, the cops that had brought her in had told the other cops that were there, Guess what this one's in for? What? For sucking dick at a bar? They all started laughing. Sarah was mortified. These are the people that are supposed to protect and uphold the law. She is a veteran, having served time in the Army and also works at the local school. She could not believe the way the night had turned out when she was just trying to go out on a date and enjoyed her Saturday night. She was fingerprinted and processed through bookings and then put in a sale with other women that were waiting to be called to see a judge. She did not get to see a judge until 18 hours later. She was charged with trespassing. However, the charges for oral sex were dropped as the judge felt those claims were untrue given that she had never been arrested for anything and she was a veteran and a teacher. The judge felt that she did not seem like the type of woman to do such things. However, Sarah now has a record and cannot visit the bar in which she was a loyal customer for 10 years. All of this because Torrance could not deal with the rejection. He used his power in the establishment to sabotage her night, and it cost her money and shame. This is not right. Things like this cannot keep happening. Ruth George was killed in late November 2019 in Chicago. She was 19 years old and was walking to her car. She had ignored the catcalls of a man, and he got upset and followed her and killed her. Hearing this story angered me. As a woman that knows what it's like to have to deal with this on a constant basis, Ruth should not have lost her life because she chose not to pay attention to a man. She was entitled to deny any communication with anyone she chose. We need to become better as a society to bring awareness to this. Women are precious. We bore life. Every man that walks this earth was created, carried, and birthed through the womb of a woman. A man wouldn't be alive if it wasn't for us. Yes, men are needed to procreate. But a woman's body is the vessel of life and nourishes the embryo, gives it blood and nutrients for it to grow into a fetus. Men need to be taught by their mothers to respect women from the moment they're born, and society needs to reinforce those teachings. Violence against women needs to stop as well. If a woman is not threatening your life, then there should be no reason for a woman to be beat, raped, or killed. This is America, land of the free, where we're given the right to follow our dreams. But is it really when women have to walk outside in fear, when women don't get equal pay, when women are not respected? We need better leadership. Congress needs to pay attention to these crimes and enforce harsher punishments on these individuals that commit them. I was booked and sat in a jail cell in New York City because my abusive ex-boyfriend decided one day to walk into a precinct and press charges against me. There were no further investigations done on the things he said. I was called and asked to turn myself in, had to face the same humiliation that Sarah experienced and had a restraining order just based on his words. There was no proof of what he said except that he claimed to be scared for his life. This was the same individual that had for many years hit me and verbally abused me. Yeah, I know a girl that had been stalked for a few weeks at the building she lived in by a man. The man had tried to grab her in a few instances. She was scared and went to the local precinct with her parents to report this man. And the cops had told her that they couldn't do anything until the man had actually assaulted her. Why do these double standards exist? Why did I have to sit in a sale based on the unproven words of a man and my friend couldn't get her stalkers to sit in a sale because he hadn't done anything yet? 
violence against women increases year after year. The world needs to do better. Everyone has a woman in their life that they love, whether it is their mother, a sister, a daughter, a friend. Whether women are covered up or showing skin, they are entitled to their bodies and to do with it what they want. We do not belong to men, just like men do not belong to us. I challenge every straight man to go to a gay bar so they can know what it feels like to be hit on and feel uncomfortable. Most men will not be able to deal with that after one hour and will leave. Men do not know what it feels like, as women are not as aggressive like men are. Maybe if every man was forced to be in an uncomfortable situation at least once a week for a few hours, then maybe they can start to sympathize with women and give us the respect that we deserve. The Me Too movement was a start that died too soon. We need more politicians on our side. We need better laws. We need better human beings. And we need more love in this world. One person's voice is not enough for change, but in unity, we stand strong. So many people create memes and take to social media to make fun of situations that need to be taken more seriously. If you will not do it for yourself, then do it for the children you will have tomorrow. Do it for the kids that depend on us for a better future. Stop living your life with a blindfold. Stop reading stories and talking about how sad it is. Stop being lazy because one day those stories you read might be closer to home than you think. That was the end of the article I had written, and I've heard so many stories of injustices and harassment that has happened to females that I've come across that have shared their stories since then. There's so many women that have to deal with ex-baby daddies that make their life a living hell, but because of the children they have together, the women just deal with it and try to make the most out of the disrespect in order for their child to grow up with their father in their life. The name-calling and harassment that I've read in the last 48 hours does not affect me personally because I'm at a point in my life that I see this for what it truly is, a depiction of what society and social media has caused. How else can men think? When we have lost the right to abortion in nearly more than half of the United States, men feel empowered to voice their hate for us when our own government keeps stripping us of our rights. There was a time in my life where I was struggling financially. I will say this was the lowest I've ever been in my life. Besides the very few close family and friends, I have never shared this story with anyone, but I'm going to share it now with the world or with at least the people that listen to this podcast. I had lost my job and was out of savings. I kept applying to banks for finance positions and could not land a job. I had also been applying to bars as a bartender and was having no luck. I had $20 in my bank account, lived alone with my daughter, and had no way to buy groceries. I did not want to ask my parents for help and had come across a job posting on Craigslist for a hostess position in New Jersey. They had contacted me within 10 minutes of me inquiring for the position. They had asked me to come for an interview at 10 p.m. I thought this was an odd time for an interview, but given my situation, did not ask any questions and went to the interview. I arrived at a small mall and did not see a restaurant. I called the number and the man told me to come up to the second floor and knock on door number six. My instincts were telling me to go home, but my curiosity was piqued and now I wanted to see what this job was. I reached door number six and before I got to knock, a female had opened the door. The lights were dimmed and there was red LED lights lighting up what was a long hallway. There was a man at the end of the hallway and he welcomed me and told me to come to him for the interview. I already knew this was not a regular hostess job for a restaurant, but was already there and now really wanted to know what this was about. I walked down the hallway to him and entered an office that was set up regular with a desk, computer, chair, and a small couch on one side. He asked if I wanted water and I politely declined. I quickly let him know of my confusion as to what this job was for and he told me that he would explain everything. He was a tall European man. He must have been around 35 and was highly attractive. He spoke in an educated way and started to tell me that they used the word hostess as a code word for 
a massage. He told me that the rules were that when the men come in for a massage, they charge $100 for the house for a 30-minute session and that any tips after that go to the masseuse. He said that I do not have to engage in anything that does not make me feel uncomfortable at all, but that each massage did end with a happy ending for the client. I was shocked beyond belief. I had heard of these places from an older friend I once had that had told me about them, but he had usually received them at regular massage places in Chinatown. I think he could sense my hesitation and told me that he had to run out for some errands and would be back later. That why didn't I stay with the girls and let them tell me about it and that if I was not interested that I could leave. He said that he had a lot of rich clients that would love a beautiful and educated girl like myself and said that the girls he had, although were very pretty, were not intelligent and therefore I would be a great asset to him. Curiosity got the best of me and therefore I agreed to stay for a few hours with these girls and talk to them. My journalistic side was screaming at what a story this could be and before I even walked into that room, I had turned on the voice recording application on my iPhone. The men took me to a room that was set up like a living room. There were three couches all positioned around one coffee table that had a few boxes of Domino's pizza and a bunch of bottles of alcohol, as well as juices for mixers. There was a huge TV on the wall that had a bunch of cameras connected to it because I saw my car parked in the parking lot downstairs, as well as the stairs that led up to the apartment, the hallway I had walked down, and several other rooms as well. These girls had seen me the moment that I had driven up to the place. I was fascinated and scared at the same time. What had I just walked into? I had not seen these things in real life, but never imagined that I would actually be sitting in a room with people that did this. This was definitely a lot more wild than the bartending nightlife I had become used to in the last two years. There were five girls in the room sitting on the couch, two African-American girls that were sitting on one couch together, a Puerto Rican girl, a Colombian girl, and one other girl that was passed out sleeping on the big three-seater couch, which later on I found out was the OG of the group and was from Venezuela. The Colombian girl was very friendly and started to talk to me instantly about the rules. She said that with the cameras we get to see the man as they come up to the apartment and that then the girls decide who wants to go greet him at the door and take him to a massage room. Then at the massage room, we instantly collect the $100 for the house, place it in an envelope with our name on it, and then go to the office I was just in and place it in the slot to the safe. At that moment, we go back to the massage room, and by then, our client has undressed and is laying on the table. She explained that the room is filled with oils, lotion, towels, costumes, and toys in case we decide to use them. She went on to explain that we turn on the timer the second we step foot into that room, and that's when their 30 minutes start. We give them a body rub, and once there is only five minutes left on the clock, we tell them to turn over for their happy ending. After that, it is up to us whether we want to engage in any sexual activities or fantasies and can give them any price that we want to set. They also said that we do not have to partake in this and that we can end the session after the happy ending. We then have to ask the client if they would like to shower, and if they do want to, then we walk them to the bathroom and give them one of the towels that are on the shelf in the hallway by the washing machines and dryers. One of the other girls had joined the conversation to give me tips and tricks to make the client come faster in order to finish the session quicker. She said the faster we get clients in and out, the more money we make. She also had said that I have to clean the room with the cleaning supplies that are in the drawers of each room as soon as we're done in order to leave a clean workspace for the next girl. They went on to explain how the schedule worked. There were two shifts, one from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. and one from 7 p.m. through 7 a.m. 
She said that the boss would add me to the group chat on the application they use and that I can commit to a shift on there, but that once I committed, I had to make sure that I stuck to it because they needed to have at least five girls minimum at each shift. I had asked which shift is busier, and they had told me that they were both equally busy. A lot of men came during their lunch breaks to release tension that had built up during work, and equally, the same amount of men would come at nighttime after work or leaving a bar. This was a Friday night, and at this point, it was around 11.30 p.m. They said that Fridays got busy around 1 a.m. when people were leaving the clubs. Eventually, the girl that had been sleeping, the OG of the group, woke up. She was very quiet at first, but I have a gift of making people feel comfortable to talk to me, and it took very little effort from my part to get her to start talking. She told me her story, how her family had come illegally from her country, and they were struggling to pay the rent. She was dating a guy at the time that had found her a job doing this, and at first she did not want to do it because of the stigma surrounding this job, plus her own morals and ethics, but that she saw how much money she made her first night, and after that became hooked and had been doing this for the last 10 years of her life. She was 27 years old at the time. She told me that she had made an average of 200000 a year doing this since then. She told me she ran one of these rings, uh, that's the word that she used to describe this, in Washington, D.C., but that they had been caught by the cops and she had to shut it down and run, so she came to New York and found this place. She then proceeded to give me the tips on how to know if I'm dealing with an undercover cop. She said that the second I put a man in the room to try to touch them, even before they take off their clothes, she said cops are not allowed to even have their arm touched by us. So if the man moves away, that is an indication that it could be a cop. She also said that if they ask me if I'm a licensed masseuse to say no, to say that this is not considered a massage but a body rub, that as long as I say that, I would be okay because I have to be licensed to be a masseuse. She went on to explain that she had bought several properties in different states in cash and had rented them out and that she was engaged to a man that she had met in this profession and that they had come to an agreement that this was her last month doing this. Then they would get married and she would have to find a regular job. Most of the other girls that were there had come to this place for the same reason that I was in that room. They were single mothers that were trying to make ends meet and support their kids. One girl was married and her husband had no clue that she did this. She said they had been struggling financially and their house was in foreclosure at the moment and thus she had told him that she was working at a bar as a bartender. Eventually I had stopped asking questions and the conversation had become about who we were dating and relationships which is usually the case when you put a bunch of women together. These women were beautiful and pleasant to talk to. I could tell by the way they spoke that they had little education and understood why the boss had said that I would be a great asset to him. However, I did not view these women as being any less than me. They were clearly just a bunch of women trying to support themselves in a world where they felt this was their only option. Just like men turned to drug dealing, these women had used their beauty and their body to make a living, giving me a different perspective of prostitution. Eventually, cars started to pull up, Men started knocking, and one by one, the girls left to the rooms to work. The boss had come back, and he had asked me what I thought. I told him that this wasn't for me, and that I truly believed that I was coming to an interview for a hostess position. He said that he could tell that I wasn't the type, but still offered that the opportunity would be here if I changed my mind later on. He asked me to download an app and gave me access to it so that I can be part of the group chat in the event that I wanted to come back. As he said that he changed his phone number and email often. He showed me how to look at the available shifts on the app and how to view the group conversations. I then left home and never went back. 
I did read the conversations in the group chat and was amused to see them bickering about normal things you hear in a regular job. How one girl did not clean the room, how another had not washed the towels, how the living room area had been left a mess and the food had not been thrown out in the trash. I saw girls asking other girls to cover their shifts. It was fascinating to witness. Eventually, there was a message from the boss a few weeks later saying that the location had been discovered by the cops and that they were shutting down and relocating, that he will contact us when the new location was available. He did send the address a week later of a location in Queens. I had driven to it, and it looked similar to that of the location in New Jersey, a small shopping mall. I never communicated in the chat, and eventually I was kicked out of the group chat and lost access to it. I had found a bartending job a week after that encounter and was lucky to have landed at a location in the West Village where I was making about $2,500 in four days. I had stuck to my morals and ethics, and God had rewarded me. So when I see these comments of men calling women whores, sluts, skanks, or thoughts, I laugh because the only reason there are women that actually do this is because there's a market to do this that is created and managed by men. If they were so repulsed by women being slutty, then women wouldn't be making a living off websites like OnlyFans. Women wouldn't be able to make money off giving body rubs and happy endings to so many men that were married and had families for the most part. Women that post provocatively on Instagram wouldn't have millions of followers just for posting a nice picture in a bikini. Women wouldn't be flying to Colombia and in the Dominican Republic to get their body done to profit off the simple fact of having a big ass and big breasts. The same way that drug dealers wouldn't be making money off selling drugs if they didn't have people to sell it to. I don't condone it, but neither am I against it when we live in a world where even Bill Clinton was impeached for being involved in an affair with his intern. It is the world we live in. There were a lot of men that claimed that women like me were the reason they would not date a Western woman in the comments of the real. I guess they are upset that Western women are embracing the culture they themselves created. Although these are activities I am sure exist in the Eastern Hemisphere as well, but they have stricter rules and therefore it is not as publicized as it is here in the U.S., there were a lot of battles of men degrading women that defended me in the comments, and I was happy to see those women fight back and hold their own and stick to their point of view. There are a lot of more women statistically in the world, and like I said before, one voice is not enough to break through and bring change, but in unity we stand strong. Let's form covalent bonds, which in chemistry is one of the strongest bonds amongst elements, and fight for our rights to a better future. Change will not happen in the next few weeks or months, but with consistency and resiliency, we'll happen sooner than later that is it for this episode please subscribe and share with your friends i am paris in new york city and thank you for listening bye